Pints with Jack, Season 4, Episode 56. The Screwtape Letters, Letter 28, Death Be Not Proud. Well, welcome everybody. Pints with Jack is your weekly C.S. Lewis podcast where David, Matt, and I break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. And this season, we're eavesdropping on the correspondence of a senior demon named Screwtape as he explains how to tempt a patient, a human assigned to be tempted by Screwtape's nephew, Wormwood. Each week, we'll be considering a different letter, untwisting Screwtape's hellish logic, and forming a battle plan for our own spiritual lives. Andrew, it is so good to be back. Oh, what a joy. I always love our time together. So do I. And way to way to catch that adjustment there in the beginning where it says David, Andrew, and I, and switch that to <laughs> David, Matt, and I in real time. Well, you know, I, 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 it's a gift. I don't like to talk about it much. And that's the <laughs> only thing I don't like to talk about much. <laughs> well, it's, it's your gift and love of talking that makes it so much fun to be able to do these episodes because... I like our dynamic. There's just the the listeners know we all three bring a different dynamic. And so me and David, I'm a different person when I'm with David than I am with you. And I'd imagine maybe slightly you're a little bit different with me and our chemistry and banter and rapport than you are with David. And so I just recorded with David. What's today? Tuesday? I did it with Sunday with or yesterday with him. So I'm two back-to-back days of recording. My goodness. So we're recording on uh, on March 23rd. Uh, Want to mention, mention especially that today is the 70th birthday of Phil Keggy, who's an amazing guitar player, uh, mm. faithful to the Lord. And uh, Phil was actually, a, he's a dear friend of mine. I traveled with him uh, as his road manager many years ago when I had hair down to my waist and lots of earrings in my ears. And, <laughs> and uh and Phil was on a real C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien kick, uh, loved to read. And so he's really the one who turned me on to the adult works of C.S. Lewis. And uh, wow. and I owe him a great debt. So I texted him this morning. And so we'll certainly toast our Patreon supporters. But I also have in my mind Phil Keggy today. Also want to acknowledge the passing of Sir John Polkinghorne. Um, hmm. Sir John was a, a physicist, helped in discovering, uh, developing theory about the quark. Uh, but also was an Anglican priest and uh, has written some wonderful books about science and faith. And uh, through the Lewis Foundation, I've had a chance to serve communion with Sir John uh, at the altar at Ely Cathedral mm. and at the great uh, University Church of Great St. Mary. So Sir John Polkinghorne passed away. And of course, a longtime friend of the C.S. Lewis Foundation, Larry Crabb, the Christian psychologist and author of many books. Wonderful guy. I met him in 2008 at, at uh, Oxbridge. And I sat down across the table from him at breakfast and I'm like, oh, that poor guy, I read his name tag. That poor guy's got the same name as the famous Christian psychologist, Larry Crabb. <laughs> and it turned out that it was Larry Crabb. So oh my he goodness. just passed a glory on the 28th of February. So it was a, a delight to, uh, to, to, to remember him. Hmm. I think what I fully got with of, out of all of that was how much I want to see you in super long hair. I'm trying to picture you with a ponytail or braids or something because, <laughs> Andrew, you're you're entering to become a priest and you're so put together. I'm just picturing an old Andrew. Uh, you know, this is back in the days before the man bun, but I'm actually growing my hair out now. Kristen has uh, has encouraged me. And so I've been uh, I've been trying that. But uh, here, I'll, I think I've got. Yeah, here's that back in the day photo. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> Maybe we'll throw something up for the listeners. Listeners, we'll try to figure out if, if he can't send that to David and David makes that pop up in the podcast feed. Just as long as Brittany doesn't make a meme about it, we should be fine. <laughs> oh, so, it's yeah. totally going to happen. Well, um, let, as we as we talk about the, the birthday of, of this great man and the passing of these two others, I think it's appropriate to talk about that today because what's our letter about today? Well, today's letter is going to... It's another one where it talks about death and destruction. If you remember, we talked about that in one of the earlier letters because of the war and war came up a lot and we've somewhat gotten away from it. But we come back to war. We come back to death and destruction. But in this time, it's just tease off a conversation more towards when they have time on their side and when they have life, what they can do with it. And mm. I really got this image of St. Paul in this letter of running the good race and working until you persevere and re- running like you want to be an athlete to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell some stories about that on this episode. But I just think it's it's a beautiful letter of how death can be a tool for screw tape. Um, but the longer it is, the more time they have to get you. And we're going to learn a lot of some of those tools and defenses. Oh, that's awesome. Um, let's see. So do we have some songs? Does John Marr have anything up his sleeve for us? He does. But I've also noticed something as I was listening to the episode that was released today, and now we're recording this one. David always says, and we had some great suggestions by John Marr, but I ultimately chose to go with mine. Like David, <laughs> I think, always chooses his. What I don't know is if this confirmation bias, and I only recognize it when he does, uh-huh. but he always lists the John Marr ones, and then he picks his own. Ah. Uh. Well, uh, you know, David's is, um, uh, what did John say? What, did, what were his titles? He had a few. So uh, John had, If There Is a Hell Below, We Are All Going to Go by the immortal Curtis Mayfield hmm. or Run Like Hell by Pink Floyd. Okay. Well, I know David's has, David has his suggestion, but I've always been taken by uh, that wonderful Charlie Peacock song. Um, Charlie said, I want to live like heaven is a real place. Okay, that would have been the perfect one for this because it talks about attachment and making it seem like you can build heaven on earth. Yep, yep. So, we should have really went with that one, Andrew. Hey, it's not we... too late to switch. We'll see what we can do behind the scenes. David thought of The Road to Hell by Chris Ray. And yes. So as well as the more hopeful Heaven Bound. And I didn't know, are you familiar with uh, Fat Fish, the UK no. Christian band? No. Um, those were in the running. There's also a song called Heaven Bound by DC Talk back before they were really cool. But uh, in the end, he went with Audrea Saad. So She is so good. She has a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. Death be not proud. Mm-hmm. And so here's what it is. Death be not proud through the whole world fear you, though the whole world fear you. Mighty and dreadful you may seem, though you may dwell in plague and poison. You're a slave to fate and desperate men. So death, if your sleep be the gates to hell, why your confidence? I'm going to jump in here and say, though you may dwell in plague and poison. <laughs> uh, you said plague. Oh. <laughs> and then you're a slave to fate and desperate men. So death, if your sleep be gates to heaven. Oh, you did said I say hell. hell? <laughs> Man, do I have dyslexia? I don't know. We might be learning this in real time. You know, it's two, It's recording two days in a row, and I think that uh, maybe just too much exposure to screw tape. I know. And in this case, because I, stu- I was stumbling last time, but that one I had some Macallan 18, so I just hypothesized that the Macallan 18, even a single sip, hits you harder. I haven't had any yet of what we're drinking Uh-oh. today, so clearly Matt just has issues. 
<laughs> That's okay. We, uh, if, if you've got issues, sign me up for a subscription. You know? <laughs> now, let's see. What did we pick for our quote of the week? This one's a good one. I, uh, I actually vetoed David's. So for oh, the quote good. of the week, yeah, I had to. For the quote of the week, that is why we must often wish long life to our patients. 70 years, not a day too much for the difficult task of unraveling their souls from heaven and building up a firm attachment to the earth. Oh, I just thought, so I thought it really good. summed up a big theme here, that firm attachment to the earth, and they're going to yes. use as much time as they have, and we're going to see that they can use many different paths. Mm-hmm. Prosperity, desperation, doesn't matter. Screw tape, they'll figure out a way. Well, and I love that image of unraveling because when something's raveled up, it's tightly bound. Mm-hmm. And that's how we should be towards heaven, yeah? We got a lot of good conversation coming. But first, the drink of the week to make me stumble even more. <laughs> no, I think this will probably smooth you out. <laughs> so I'm drinking something that you and David have already done before. And interestingly enough, I, I think I sent it to you guys, but never sent it to myself. But a friend gave me this bottle. And so it is Amrit. Indian single malt whiskey. So I'm having an Indian whiskey right now. And it's golden honey. On the nose, you definitely get like the toffee, vanilla, and fruit. There's a sweet and a fruit coming together. Absolutely. Oh, you totally taste the fruit. (laughs) It says your palate is the Waldorf salad, apple and pear slides, nuttiness, spice, and gentle. There is a lot of truth to that. I'm not sure I can distinguish between apple and pear, but I can definitely say I can t- I can taste uh, spice with fruit. Okay. And so, yeah, it's a very fruity, spicy. So my suggestion with this, I know you guys didn't speak as highly of it. I think for listeners who want to try something different than Macallan on one side or PD Lagavulin on the other, this one's just got a complex, unique, fruity spiciness. I enjoy mm-hmm. it a lot. Well, see, you've got the 16. We just had we just had the regular Emirate, so maybe there's a difference there. So. Well, when I look at that, I don't know why I got up the 16. Mine's a regular, too. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's good. I didn't, I didn't mind that at all. Well, I'm trying uh, one of your go- – my go-to everyday scotch when I'm going to just have a drink and not worry about it is uh, Vat 69, um, finishing off a bottle that actually Steve Beebe gave to me. So that's been my go-to. But I'm going to drink your go-to, a blended scotch, just like that. And so I'm doing the Dewar's 12. Is it 12? It's 12. Oh, it is a 12. I say yeah. That. So my usual one's Dewar's white label, guys. But um, oh, okay. He's having so a little nicer. this is the Dewar's 12. For the white label, it says honey, peach, applewood, cut hay. I get the cut hay. There's almost a little acetone thing going on with that, too. Here's the palette. Maybe you can look up the... Do you have the uh, the the malt notes and see if the, there's a difference with the 12? Yeah, what are you getting? And I'm dropping them in right now, but let's test Andrew how good he is. So I get oily and a big bite and then a, a kind of a burny finish. This is rather floral, quite sweet, toasted barley. Okay, almond. I think I get that. Barley malt, hot buttered toast. Yeah, oh, I get the hot. And an aniseed spiciness. That's good. Anise like uh, like black licorice. Mm. And a touch of smoke on the tail alongside plenty of thick malt and sweetness. Yeah. So just so listeners don't get the sense that I we recorded prior to this yesterday with and with David, I got a gift of McCallum 18. And oh. so I, I had some on the episode and 
I guys, I haven't had a bottle of my Calen 18 for years. So Dewar's, just so you know my progression, Dewar's White Label is my everyday because it was like $25 for the bottle. And I don't drink every day, but it's the everyday type of scotch. My Calen 12 is usually my treat. That's like 75 and I will do that. I might have one bottle in a year, maybe two, but I'm not trying to spend too much. And then this McAllen 18, I haven't had one for maybe four years, five years. Mm. And so, oh. Yeah. I have, uh, I was given, oh, I don't even know how many years ago, probably five or six years ago. I worked with a, a young lady who was in her senior year of high school and she's got her doctorate now, but I worked with her on a paper all year on Till We Have Faces. And her parents not only paid me to tutor her, but when she finished, they gave me a bottle of McAllen 18, and I still have a dram of that left. So, oh, yeah, that's I nice. love it. All right, I'm going to try this out with a, a drop of water. All right. Oh, I get the thick, creamy malt a little bit more with the water. Mmm. Yeah, now I get the honey. Now I get the poise. Yeah, that one drop really smoothed things out. That's good. There's only been one or two I've ever had where the drop doesn't help it. It's a really great thing. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes like with my Lagavulin 16, I need two drops. Um, mm -hmm. Two drops does even more. All right. Well, in addition to keeping mind, in mind those folks we've talked about before, we have a toast this week. And as always, yeah, what are we doing? We are going to be toasting Deborah Gibbons, a... Uh, within, I think, the last month, a new Patreon supporter. Well, when she's listening to us, it'll probably be two months because we're a little ahead here yeah. of recording. But let's but, raise a toast to her. Yeah, and absolutely. In the vein of this chapter, in the spirit of this chapter, Deborah, we just pray that every day, no matter what, whether you are in extreme prosperity or you are struggling in monotony, we pray that screw tape does never get to you through the slow attrition and that you're able to recognize and continue to realize your place is in heaven and your attachment is to heaven. Oh, cheers. So cheers. Oh, that's nice. Mm. On to oh, that chapter summary, Andrew. Okay. Here's David's hundred word summary. He's gotten pretty good with these. Mm -hmm. Screwtape chastises Wormwood's gleeful reporting of an impending air raid on the patient's town. If he dies in his current spiritual state, he'd be bound for heaven. <sighs> he warns Wormwood not to believe Hell's propaganda about death. They desire the patient to live a long life and encounter middle-aged prosperity or middle-aged adversity. Screwtape notes how God has placed a desire for heaven in the human heart. A good strategy, therefore, is to make the patient think he can build heaven on earth. He ends by emphasizing the importance of time, lamenting they have so little of it in which to ruin souls. Wow. Well, we're kicking off with another letter about war. Yep. This one, screw tape, starts out a little frustrated. Well, that's like every other letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we got we got screw tape frustrated. There's a war. And Wormwood comes into this happy naively happy is the wrong way to think about it. He's thinking death and destruction. And, and if that's increasing, that's a good thing for their side. And a lot of us would probably naturally think that death and destruction, suffering, those are all bad things. But in reality, Screwtape points out, this is not a good thing. It's not helpful. In fact, it can be dangerous. And if you remember early on, this, this letter doesn't talk about this, but a very early letter. In fact, 
it discusses that this can actually bring out bravery and valor. So that brings us back to one of the first 10 letters. I'm bad at pinpointing when we did talk about it, but <laughs> death and destruction. And we're going to see that in this letter. Well, and one of those things that we talked about in letter one, but it really holds true. Um, Screwtape wants to blind us to realities that we cannot see or hear, right? Mm -hmm. He wants us to, the enemy wants us, the Lord wants us to think about eternal things. And Screwtape wants us to focus on the immediate sense experience. We're almost done with Lent as we record this. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about this before, but we're starting, starting, starting to come out of pandemic a little bit. You know, you're seeing rates, infection rates drop. You're seeing uh, vaccination rates rise. And um, I'm going to challenge myself and you, Matt, and our listeners, have a good pandemic, right? We won't have this global pandemic for very much longer. And how can we finish that ostensibly negative thing well? In the same way, how can we finish our Lent well? The last time we talked, you talked about uh, kind of struggling and and uh, and and how that was going with you. How's how's that been since then? I took on some Lenten practices, and the positive practices have gone fantastic. Mm -hmm. The negative, where you're where you're trying to root something out, have gone okay. okay. And so, way better than during the pandemic. I'll just put it that way. So, the spiritual practice. I'm doing a holy hour every day, and it's been an absolute blessing. I do it mm -hmm. first thing in the morning. I do it quite well. And it's just a fantastic, I start reading scripture and I'll read a chapter or two of a gospel, finished all the gospel of John and Mark. Mm -hmm. I'll do some journaling. I'm doing a divine mercy book with uh, uh, Fatima's journal or St. Faustina's journal, plus some scripture verses coming together on the mercy of Christ. Then mm -hmm. I'll do a rosary on my knees. I'm really focusing on the knees part of it because uh -huh. of, of Lewis and screw tape yeah. and body bringing into it. Yeah. And so. There's still some things, some practices like watching TV more than I feel like I should. I like to hold myself to a high standard and I'm not meeting that. And I've had a hard time ridding that from my life because there's still some loneliness of a new location, haven't built a community here and living on your own. But I, I tr I'm trying to give myself grace with that and saying, you know what, focus on the positive and finding that joy of the spiritual practices and mm -hmm. it will make you desire the TV less yeah. rather than trying to cut TV without this positive thing of like intimacy with God. And so that's kind of where I'm at. That's, I appreciate you being so honest about that. And it reminds me of what Jack says. I can't remember where. He said that taken in the right spirit, even a missed meal can be a voluntary fast, right? And so don't, mm -hmm. don't squander this loneliness. Steward this lonely time well, because you're never going to be as lonely as you are right now. You'll you know, find a church and you'll find a community and you'll find places that you like to go and, and relationships. And so, you know, and, and that's the same thing I'm challenging myself with this pandemic. How can I use this kind of negative thing? Well, um, and that's Jack kind of unscrewing screw tape even back in the day, right? A missed meal can become a voluntary fast if I take it in the right spirit. So instead of grumbling, oh, I can't believe I, I didn't get a chance to eat lunch. It's like, let me offer this up to you, Lord, and my hunger is a gift to you. So Does it count if I made sure I didn't squander this pandemic by watching so many movies that I've now caught up and you can know people can't make fun of me of not having watched movies? That counts. Does that count? That counts. That absolutely counts. Yes. <laughs> I As definitely did squander priest, it. I, yeah, yeah, I give you a dispensation for that. So yeah, it. mine's going all right. Um, some of the, I've tried not to watch, uh, look at the news uh, and I've kind of 
mostly done okay on that. I've tried to, I want to replace the news with reading the Psalms and Malcolm Geith's book on the Psalms. I've done a little of that. Done a little bit more contemplative prayer with my kneeler and uh, and my icons. So I like to joke that I give up fasting for Lent because I love it so much. Um, <laughs> but uh, so we've been doing okay, and and have added some readings in, and and those things have been going well. Ah, oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. Well, we can kind of keep moving forward here. So we're sure. talking about we're in this dangerous state right now, and Screw Tape is pointing out this is not a time to be focusing on death. These impending air raids that are coming. That could be problematic. That could bring death and destruction. He's saying, no, the patient's in a good state right now. In mm-hmm. fact, it's a dangerous spot for screw tape and Wordwood. Even goes so far as he says, the patient currently has escaped the worldly friends, which was one of his goals, mm-hmm. with whom you tried to entra- entangle him. He has fallen in love with a very Christian woman and is temporarily immune from your attacks on his chastity mm-hmm. and the various methods of corrupting his spiritual life which we have been trying hard so far, are unsuccessful. Yeah. So, And I love that, how he's temporarily immune from your attacks on his chastity. I thought that too. Um, And in Letters to Malcolm, he says, beware of assuming that we can always do what we can sometimes do, right? And that's that law of undulation again. And so, yeah, it sounds like our patient is doing pretty well. And uh uh, but uh, of course, Screwtape always has some, some pretty good ideas. It's been a while since I've read this book, so I don't actually remember at all how it ends or what's coming up. I'm optimistic. We're nearing the end, though. So, you know, how much more undulation can he have? I'm hoping for him going out with a bang. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I can't help but think of Max McLean and uh, and Brent Harris and their Screwtape on stage. They really staged the end of it just beautifully well. And uh, and the light from the top of the uh, top of the stage, and that's wonderful. Well, what's interesting though is in here in this letter, we got Screw Tape pointing out where what's going on here with death and destruction and danger. This I find it fascinating how he points out that that is their doing. That Wormwood, he warns Wormwood here to not fall prey to the propaganda that they created. Mm. And it's a propaganda that death and destruction are bad. We think of this all the time. I'm not going to go down this path because it'll open up a can of worms, but I'll tease a sentence or two. I've now heard three podcasts all released in last week. Bishop Barron did one, Council of Trent did one, Trent Horn, who actually was just on Pints with Jack. I don't think it's, it'll be, it'll have been released by the point of this talking with David, but they talked about the Old Testament and they talked about the God of the Old Testament. And they talked about addressing the issues of this genocidal God that like Richard Dawkins will point out with the Canaanites and pillaging and killing women and killing children. And they actually have a conversation on death and destruction and how we think of death in one way, but God thinks of it in another way. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting how this is propaganda of, of screw tape and wormwood. Yeah. That, that screw tape wants the patients to believe that death is the worst thing that can happen to, to them. But actually in actual fact, death is taken in the right sense a great glory for Christians. It's a good thing mm-hmm. for Christians. Um, uh, and and they don't want a death. I want to read you this. I just, Larry Crabb's son posted in the Larry Crabb Appreciation Group on Facebook, just posted this today um, from Larry's, some of Larry's final journals. He says, it seems very clear that I am to leave this world, leaving Rachel, all family, and so many friends, actually leaving them, never to see them, until they too come home seems so difficult, surreal, a first-time experience. I cannot process it. 
I can only feel a loss that one day will be fully compensated. That sustains my grief with hope. We will meet again in a much better place. And, you know, it is appointed unto man once to die. And so as we try to be good stewards of the, the rest of this uh, you know, couple of weeks of Lent, as we try to be good stewards of the end of the pandemic, we also need to be good stewards over the ending of our lives and the mm-hmm. good stewards of our death. This idea that, that uh, Screwtape would propagandize us, there's nothing new to fake news. He's been doing it for quite some time. Uh-huh. It's, it's really, as exactly as you've pointed out, alluded to, is... I, I kind of put it this way. Death is a tool. I hate to say this, but like from the screw tape, depending on the state you're in, it could be a good thing for them. It could be a bad thing. Well, in our own lives, I mean, death is just the means to the next world. The Absolutely. doors opening up into hopefully heaven, <laughs> opening the gates of heaven. And when we realize that, it hopefully as we focus on that, will change the way we act in our current life. A little memento mori. Yes, Absolutely. It's the Latin phrase meaning remember death. Uh, Mm -hmm. St. Francis called death brother death. And St. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians that outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. You know, Kristen and I met um, right after I had turned 50 and she was um, younger than me but still um, an adult, certainly. And, and we're starting to see our friends die, our mentors die. We're starting to see some stuff in our bodies that we don't necessarily like. And, you know, uh, that can be depressing and difficult until I, you know, like Psalm 73 says, until I enter the house of the Lord and, and go, this is the way of the world. And um, my job is to live this day well and as outwardly I am wasting away, you know, and I'm not ready for a walker yet. Um, although we joke about that in my family. Um, I, Kristen's the oldest of five and I'm older than she is. And so I'm the oldest sibling there. And they tease me and I say, shut up because I'll put, or I'll put in my hearing aids and throw my tennis balls at you <laughs> the bottom of my walker. Um, but inwardly, are we being renewed by, day by day? And here's the thing. I mean, this is, I've said this for years. I love those people who, as they get older, they get younger, mm. like in their eyes and in their spirit. And almost always it's Christian people. Mm-hmm. It's people who have the hope. And as their sanctification nears its completion, no matter what's happening to their body, I mean, I'm sure that our listeners, I'm sure that you know these wonderful old saints who become more childlike and mm. joyous and gracious, not that they're losing their marbles. But they just get closer to Christ. And I think that that's a great hope. And how am I? How are, how are you on that journey towards getting sweeter and letting our gentleness and our kindness be known to all, especially as, you know, as we make this progression? Well, we're going we're gonna to end up moving in the next couple of sections to talk about time and that progression of time. And obviously, we're going to talk about it from the perspective of screw tape, which is where they're trying to take advantage of in a negative sense. But what you pointed out here was the positive side of it. As time went on, the people that you're describing that become more saint-like as they get older, their attachment to earthly things diminishes. Mm-hmm. So their their worries and stresses of money, their worries and stresses of what other people think of them, their ego, that's all dying because the sanctification process is getting rid of their attachment to earth and switching it to an attachment to heaven. Mm-hmm. And now what we're about to see here is that the reverse is what Screwtape is trying to do. And 
it's been interesting because Screwtape says time in this case because, well, the guy's in the good camp right now. And if he dies, he's going to go to heaven. They want more time because it creates an opportunity for various scenarios. And actually, Screwtape points out that up until this point, the enemy has guarded the patient. Hmm. So first time I'm, I'm a little curious from you is, would you say that the typical progression is, and I've seen this a bit play out in screw tape letters, a person comes to Christianity and my experience falls along this line. The first few years, the feelings are great. The high is great. It's kind of easier to do spiritual practices, but then there's a point where the training wheels get taken off, which mm-hmm. I would argue is the protection he's talking about here. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe the feelings and desires that are always positive and rosy that make it a little bit easier to do and be obedient. And now, as we're going to see here, it's when that goes away that there's a vulnerability that screw tape wants to take advantage of. Absolutely. No, I think that that's exactly true. And we, we see Lewis talking about this some in mere Christianity that he takes his hand away. And we have to pursue virtue on our own. Um, the the glory is that he says in, in Christianity is that, um, or no, it's, I think it's here in Screwtape, that um, if our intention is to walk, that God, our Father, is delighted even with our stumbles. But he does take his hand away and lets us find our way uh, ourselves. I can't help but think of Paralandra, where he's on the floating islands and he has to learn how to walk. And he stumbles and he learns to delight in the ridiculousness of the stumbles. But it does get harder. I mean, when I first became a Christian, there were big boulders to move. And um, once all of the kind of big lifestyle and emotional and and ethical changes took place, you know, it was the rest of my life kind of cleaning out every different little alleyway, every little piece of my life. And although I felt like a huge, I took huge spiritual strides early on. Um, it now feels like I've got a long way to go. And those wonderful uh-huh. saints who, as they get greater in their sanctity, feel more and more like they're, you know, awful, awful people uh, because uh-huh. they see their sins are before me. Do you know that feeling? Oh, well, <laughs> is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> Does the bear go to the bathroom in the woods? I used a bit of a different word there than it's normally an expression, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've been there too, huh? Yes. Well, I feel like I'm there right now. I feel 10 times worse than I was before, but I hope this is the process towards sanctification. It's a necessary blindness, right? And this is how it works too with grief. Uh, A lot of times going through the grief process, we cocoon it up and we kind of deny it and shut it off. And denial is actually a really healthy tool as long as it's being a tool that can can serve us. Because when you go through great grief, you can't face it all at once. And so God allows mm. denial, I think, in some ways to kind of, like I said, cocoon it, to store it up for some time later. And so a lot of times when people are going through grief, it's after they've kind of gotten stabilized and everything that stuff gets really bad. Well, the shock is over with. And now, little by little, the pain starts coming out. But the great glory is that God will allow us only that kind of pain, that only as much pain as he will help us to bear. And that's 1 Corinthians 10. It says, God will not allow you to be tested beyond your ability to bear it. But with the testing, will provide the means by which you can endure it, right? And so in some points, that that painfulness of, you know, that that awareness of sinfulness comes not because I'm more sinful than I was before, but because God is finally taking off my blinders 
to how sinful I always was. And because I'm now strong enough to really look at that honestly, and then have some, some, some resource to do something about it. That was a good word, Andrew. Hmm. If I say so myself, that analogy, and I think listeners can really take something from that of the denial is a healthy thing that can protect us in the beginning. And then as we can handle it, we can get more. Same thing applies to spiritual journey. We have a bit of a denial towards our ego, towards our pride, towards our self-centeredness, towards our brokenness, towards our weakness, our woundedness. And sometimes in the beginning, as I had, we kind of think we can, we're can. we doing pretty good in this spiritual journey. I mean, honestly, a lot of these practices, I was like, I don't get what's so hard with this. Um, <laughs> Run up a very positive credit in the in the account balance. Isn't that how Screwtape puts it? That's exactly right. I am drawing on it right now, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it. That was a great analogy. Well, and I think Screwtape wants us to think, he always wants to flip things upside down, right? And mm-hmm. so if I really realize what a, what a crappy guy I am, that can be a gift from God to kind of look at that and go, okay, but you've got some spiritual practices. Great. You're a crappy guy. Repent. Great. Show some penitence. Correct your behavior. Make amends, right? Here's a positive thing that you can do. And of course, with Lewis, it all comes back to the practice of virtue, right? And virtue, remember, is an action repeated that becomes a habit and a habit repeated that becomes a virtue. The same is true with a vice. And so, Part of the struggle in the Middle Ages of Christianity is twofold. Partly, I'm trying to develop all of the good virtues that will fit me for heaven. Mm -hmm. But I've got all of my life that I have pursued sinfulness and pursued vices to undo. So now I'm working in two directions. Before, as a Christian, I was just pursuing myself. Now I still, out of habit and my sinful nature, pursuing myself and then correcting that and then developing the good habits. And so it should be discouraging and hard. And that's why I love how this letter comes back again and again to perseverance. Yes, which brings us to, we talked about time and how time is an ally to screw tape because in that they create different opportunities. Well, the first goal that they have in time is through monotony, which connects with your perseverance. This is, I really wanted to just quote this in full actually from screw tape. You see... It is so hard for these creatures to persevere. The routine of adversity, the gradual decay of youthful loves and youthful hopes, the quiet despair, hardly felt as pain, of ever overcoming the chronic temptations with which we have again and again defeated them, the drabness which we create in their lives and the inarticulate resentment with which we teach them to respond to it, all this provides admirable opportunities of wearing out a soul by attrition. That, I underlined, so I would emphasize it, soul by attrition. How many people listening to this, I want you guys to raise your hand. How many people can say they've experienced this? Like, there's so many of us. I mean, seriously, yeah. like the, we've all gone through stages in life where there's monotony. Work might be monotonous. Our prayer life might be monotonous. Our just routines become monotonous. Our relational lives you know, I mean, I had so idealized what it would be like to be married and have wanted a happy marriage all of my life. And now that I have it, I read a meme the other day. It says, most married life is is uh, is yelling, what'd you say to your spouse from the other room? <laughs> um, and there is some drabness and some routine of it. Um, and and it's not all like they, they, they show in the movies, thanks be to God. <laughs> But I also I also want to encourage you encourage you the thing that I try to come to myself 
this defeat by the same old sins that you've been struggling with, that I've been struggling with all of my life. And I get so disgusted and disappointed with myself. Oh man, Lazo. And I just feel really disappointed that I made that choice again. If the cross really means that the blood of Jesus removes us from all of our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, which is what the scripture says, then one of the things that that removes is disappointment. If God doesn't condemn me, he's also not disappointed in me, even though I'm disappointed in me, right? And so mm -hmm. screw tape is like work, work on that. The quiet despair of ever overcoming the chronic temptations, which we have again and again with, with which we have defeated them, right? Mm -hmm. But God isn't defeated or bummed out that you fell for the same thing again and again. That mercy, those mercies are new every morning and the steadfast love never ceases. And so the enemy's going to try to get us by attrition because he found the direct attack won't work anymore. I love uh, how often screw tape and mere Christianity kind of fit together. And of course they should. They were written right around the same time. Um, and this is a quote that I always come to from mere Christianity when I read this part of the book. Remember, he says, good and evil both increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later, you may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. An apparently trivial indulgence in lust or anger today is the loss of a ridge or railway line in bridgehead form from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise impossible. So those little daily battles really mean a lot. And then the, that good and evil increases at compound interest. So tell us a little bit about compound interest. <laughs> it's one of the best lessons I try to teach people with investing. Uh, every $10,000 you can save in your 20s turns to, if you assume an average rate of return in the markets, by the time you are into retirement can turn into upwards to 160000 if you wait until your 30s, it turns to 80,000. Your 40s, it turns to 40,000. Your 50s, it turns to 20,000. So it's still good to be saving later in life. But the earlier you start, the more it compounds over time. And same thing happens with the good and the evil. And so sometimes I'll point out, I'll never forget the first time I ever read this, actually, from a monetary perspective. I was reading a, a hedge fund investing book, and the author was talking about the iPhone. This was about when I was in high school. So it was the very first iPhone, iPhone 1. And it was maybe three or 400 bucks, which was a lot for a cell phone. Sure. And literally goes, so you think this iPhone costs $400? Well, buy this iPhone now, maybe it costs that. But in retirement, it's costing you $3,500 of your retirement. And he was just trying to get you to think in the future. Uh -huh. I think it's the same thing. Okay, this action right here, this little sin you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the moment, it's not that big of a deal. You can, it seems like you can afford it, quote unquote. But if you think about your retirement, or in this case, you think about eternity and what could happen if that sin compounds for the next 40 years, now ask yourself if you can afford to give in to that little sin. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things um, some of my AA friends talk about is it's not the first drink that's going to get you. Because, you know, like Leo says on the West Wing, I don't want one drink, I want 10 drinks, right? Mm -hmm. And my AA friends say, drink that drink all the way down and think about the ruin and despair you will get if you lose your sobriety right now, you know, and look at the end of it. And remember that Screwtape wants us to focus on the immediate stream of sense experience. 
and he doesn't want to think about what's going on. And also remember from screw tape, if he, he says, if uh, murder is no better than cards, if cards will do the trick, right? Mm -hmm. If I have a little bit of selfishness, the enemy wants me to indulge in that because he's playing the long game, not just 70 years, not just three score years and 10, thousands of years, eternal years. And if I keep going down that path of a little bit of hard heartedness, the enemy knows that I'm an eternal creature. And he wants me to forget that I'm eternal, right? That's why death is the first step of our larger life in Christ. But the enemy wants us to think of it as a much shorter time. Mm -hmm. So, and wants us to say, well, it's not going to hurt if I do this little thing today, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why St. Paul says, today is the day of salvation, right? Way to to finish that section strong. I like that. Well, if we thought monotony was bad, in time, and you think you can escape that? Oh well, maybe if I just create a life not filled with monotony, maybe that will help prevent screw tape from getting to me. You would be wrong. <laughs> screw tape will take prosperity just as quickly as he'll take adversity and monotony. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to read this one too because this one hit me just uh, straight from the book. Yeah. If, on the other hand, the middle years prove prosperous, our position is even stronger. Prosperity knits a man to the world. world. I know, right? Yeah. He feels that he's finding his place in it. Just picture yourself achieving success in life. He's finding his place in it. Well, really, it is finding its place in him. Yeah. (laughs) His increasing reputation. Oh, that sounds kind of nice. His widening circle of acquaintances, his sense of importance, the growing pressure of absorbing in agreeable work. Build up in him a sense of being really at home in her. I know, right? <sighs> Which is just what we want. That just, honestly, this scared me the most mm. because as someone who's in the earlier stages of starting a business and hopes that you don't start one hoping it fails, <laughs> hoping it's successful, that kind of thing happens. You're meeting with clients, you're sharing your funds, reputation will increase, circle of acquaintances will increase in the finance world. Um, importance, a sense of feeling. I was literally like, this is probably what would play out in my life and I need to be ready for it and I need to watch out for it because it doesn't mean, the whole point of this is we'll talk about in a sec, this doesn't mean shun all prosperity per se in life. It's saying be aware though of what can happen. Listen, I think monotony is a great gift of God, right? To do the routine, to, you know, you, you one can use monotony as a gift of God. And if you're in a place where your circumstances don't change, God can really use that and keep growing these things in small steps. Uh, in the same way, prosperity can be such a gift of God. I mean, I've been the recipient of so many people's generosity with, you know, my book list that have been provided for and, and all the rest. I mean, I'm going to school for free from the seminary because of people's generosity and prosperity. Screwtape is going to take the good of monotony and try to break it down. He's also going to take the good of prosperity and try to not just tie or staple us, knit us. I love that image where we're woven into the world and it's hard to get those stitches out of us. And think about this for a second. Next time you feel that you don't belong, because I'm pretty sure every one of us feels that at some point in time, you don't belong in a friend group. You don't belong in some work community, some social community, some part of this world. Remember that maybe I don't want to belittle the feeling of belonging because that comes from a desire to be intimate and have relationships with people. So let me not belittle that. But the point of this is, Let's try to be aware that 
we don't need to always fit in. We don't need to always be a part of this world. We don't need to always be meshed and knit into the world. When Sometimes when we feel like we perfectly fit in, maybe we're becoming a little too worldly. I think that that's, uh, this idea of fitting in um, can be this great temptation because this world is not our home, right? Mm-hmm. And so that principle again and again, um, a, a missed meal can become a voluntary fast. Um, it's the great story of, of Corey Ten Boom and her sister. And Corey was kind of hard-hearted about God and her sister, um, Betsy, had it so, you know, her faith came so easily to her. And there they are in Auschwitz. And, um, and Betsy was always positive and they're, they're naked and they're being inspected by the Nazi guards and, um, and they got their, their clothes on their head and, and, and Corey Ten Boom says to her sister, well, this, what about this? Can you find God in this? I'm paraphrasing it. I'm doing it poorly. My wife could do it so much better than me. And Betsy <laughs> looked back over her shoulder and she said, Corey, he was naked too. And so to find in Christ somebody who has suffered as we have suffered, but all the more. Somebody, mm-hmm. the Son of Man had no place to lay his head, even though foxes have had, had holes and, and birds had nests. Loneliness can be a gift of God. And ultimately, we don't belong in this world. We belong in heaven. So loneliness is a spiritual sign that I'm looking at the world accurately. I should not fit in. This world is not our home. And this is kind of the flip of what Lewis talks about with joy and longing, this sense that there's an emptiness in me, a hunger and ache, and that ache, woe unto me if that ache is ever fulfilled, right? Mm. Because I need that hunger and that emptiness because we are looking for a city with true foundations whose builder is God. And like Abraham, we're strangers in strange lands. And that's how we should feel. And so although nobody likes not to fit in, even that fitting in can help us understand Christ, right? And and what does St. Paul say? I want to know Christ in the depth of his sufferings, right? I mean, this just flows perfectly with the next part because, as you said, we are strangers in a strange land. Christ created, Heavenly Father created in us a desire and a hunger for heaven. And that is so we long for him, as you pointed out. And so what this whole chapter really is coming down to is Satan screw tape wants to thwart that. And how do you thwart realizing you have a hunger for heaven, create an attachment for earth? Mm-hmm. Like that is everything they want to do. And he goes on to point out that to do this, they need a strong foundation. Like screw tape's goal is to build this attachment, but do it with a strong foundation. And so he points out that you know, fantasy, music, poetry, a girl, a sight of a horizon can blow away a, a traditional foundation. Uh-huh. But what he says is to get the strongest foundation of attachment to earth, how do you how do you really make it formidable? Well, here's what he says. He goes, because we have this inveterate, I don't, am I saying that right? Inveterate. Inveterate, okay. Habitual uh, as our habit for heaven that their best method at this stage of attaching them to earth, because remember, that's their goal, is to make them believe that earth can be turned into heaven at some future date by politics or eugenics or science or psychology or whatnot, real worldliness is a work of time, assisted, of course, by pride, for we teach them to describe the creeping death as good sense or maturity or experience. And so I thought that was interesting. So they know that we have a positive desire in us, which is for heaven. And so they also know they want to work and make us have an attachment to earth. So how do they do it? Well, they make us think that we can bring heaven to earth. 
at a future date. Well, and this is Lewis as a modernist. So what you have at the turn of the century is this, you know, Nietzsche saying God is dead. Uh, Darwin saying we just evolved. It wasn't a divine process. Freud says that religion is, you know, guilt is neurosis, right? And and Marx says, you know, if everybody will just share, we can build this heaven on earth. They've rejected God's heaven, but they still long for heaven because, you know, what does Jack say in, in mere Christianity? Um, God is the fuel that the engines of our lives were were built to run on, right? Mm. And so we still have this kind of hunger. And so they say, okay, well, we can make we can make Earth a heaven. And so this is kind of the prevailing thinking in the early part of the century. Um, the World War, the first one, does a lot to to discourage that. But there's this all this kind of futurism and hope and optimism, and science is going to make our world better. And we've eliminated all that negative religion, and so now we can just be wonderful. And and so there's this idea that we can kind of make heaven on earth. Well, I appreciate you stating that properly. I made a, I made a little mistake and I said heaven on earth, which is actually probably an okay thing. But I like how you put it. We can turn, as Lewis said, we can turn earth into heaven. And the thing yeah. I was thinking of as you were saying all of what you just said was I remember hearing a talk of a philosopher historian who wrote this argument and the book was called Homo Deus. And essentially we're Homo sapiens. And his argument was the gods that we have created, we will become. As we evolve these perfect beings, these the divine mind that we have attributed to God, mm-hmm. well, guess what? That's just the final stage of evolution that we will eventually get to, whether it's through AI, advancements in technology, medicine, we're going to become that. And that's exactly Mm. what you're saying. We're going to literally turn earth into heaven. Well, and then Lewis flies in the teeth of that, which made him rapidly unpopular. And he says, we've already seen in mere Christianity, we've already seen the next stage of evolution. It's Christ, right? Mm. And then we are to be little Christ's. Right. And so that's the next stage of evolution. That's the next because we can have God inside of us and live in this life and and transform the world. And so this idea that the world should be better, well, that's the work of Christians. We should eliminate disease and poverty and hunger and crime and racism and all of that. We should be doing that, but not so that we can be at home here, but just so that when Christ comes back, he can recognize the place. Right. (laughs) And so we can we can bear witness to him in this world by showing his love. Well, I thought, you know, as we wrap this up and go to the last section, that it was interesting how he finishes pointing out that Screwtape looks at it as they have just a short window of opportunity to take advantage of it. And he even points out that there's only a select few that actually really live a long life. Lots mm-hmm. die at a young age. Um, I was picturing a lot of miscarriages that will probably happen. And there's, there's babies that just never come to fruition. Uh, you've obviously got, and you don't see this as much in the United States, but we see this in third world countries. A lot of children die at very early age, don't make it past the age of five. And so, yeah, this concept that we have all life. And so he really just closes with that idea. And I thought that was an interesting way to close. Well, and Jack himself died a week shy of his 65th birthday. And partly it was because he had kidney disease and there was no dialysis and he needed an operation for it, but he had shrapnel near his heart and his heart was too weak. And so they couldn't operate to solve the kidney problem. And that's part of why Lewis died. And two years later, dialysis was, was invented, right? Um, and so the, the lifespan was shorter, but it's how do I count my days? 
And a friend of mine says, one of the ways that I try and check myself is I say, okay, what time's bedtime? What can I do to take care of myself? What can I do to show love to others between now and bedtime? Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, bedtime's in a couple of hours. How can I love my wife well? How can I be faithful to the tasks that I've done? You know, how can I finish well between now and bedtime? Um, and and try to thwart through tape in the last few hours that I have tonight. It's eight fifteen here. My bedtime's in forty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, as we come to a close, uh, what I really loved about this chapter before we turn to unscrewing screw tape was just to be able to. It reminded me so much. I don't think I mentioned this but of St. Paul. And so when I went to Israel, there was a beautiful, we went to this one, what would be the word? It wasn't the Colosseum, obviously, but it was like that. It was an arena. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. It was an arena. And he gave the whole lesson of like the cloud of saints. He told us to picture the cloud of saints cheering you on right now. And now I want you to sprint around this. And he read the verse from Paul where it's like, run like you want to win the race. Mm-hmm. And it's just this whole concept of perseverance in this chapter, I think is so beautiful. And it's such a reminder of persevere, persevere. And as you brought up earlier with compounded interest, persevere with the little things and recognize mm-hmm. too, that the little wins are big wins, because I think that's something that's easy to forget. Yeah. In the recovery community talks about doing the next dumb thing or the next right thing. Right. And I can't do everything today. Um, I've got a book review to to finish. I've got two book reviews to do tomorrow night, and I'm halfway through my first one. Well, I can't write the second one when I'm in the middle of the first one, but I can write the next sentence, right? Mm-hmm. I can unload the dishwasher. I can make the call and ask forgiveness. I can soften my heart instead of hardening my heart. I can ask forgiveness for 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 a sin. I can say a quick prayer. I can do a decade. Um, uh, I can I can just stop. I can call on his name. I can read a page of scripture. I can do something, uh, do something, some small thing out of a great love for God. Well, let us not keep you from these two book reviews any longer <laughs> and turn to unscrewing screw tape. So what do you have for that? Well, I got a couple. Uh, he talks about love over the long term. And so I'm saying pick a long term love project. Pick somebody who you will love for the rest of your life a relationship that you will always have. And then today, do something about that relationship. Maybe it's pray for them. Maybe it's pick up the phone. Maybe it's send them something that they like, right? Do something because we're going to be in relationship with each other for a long time. Do that with, especially if you're in a relationship, if you're in a marriage, soften your heart to something that normally frustrates you, right? And acknowledge that you probably frustrate them too. Uh, my okay. other do is uh, comes from Ephesians 5. St. Paul says, redeem, buy back from what is lost. Redeem the time for the days are evil. And so- That's a good one. Yeah. Make a little bit of use at doing the next right thing. The one do that I had is uh, do persevere in the little things. Yes. I love that. I just short and sweet. That's a big thing I'm going to take away from this is persevere in the little things and recognize they are big wins. Yes. Yes, absolutely. They're they're the gaining of a battle uh, of a battle of a spot on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, my don'ts: don't make a home here on earth, and don't give in to the chronic despair of ever overcoming the chronic temptations that have defeated us. Just get over yourself. Gleefully confess it to God. Try again, and then try again when you fall again, and realize and glory in the blood of Jesus that covers you and the strength and the joy of Jesus that will help you as you struggle. 
uh, as we continue to struggle. I'm saying you, but you know, you all know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the guy behind this microphone. <laughs> as uh, Pope Francis says, uh, Jesus never tires of forgiving us. We tire of asking for forgiveness. Yes. Yes. God is never disappointed in you. Uh, and so if I'm disappointed in me, I need to come correct and get on God's side. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us. Not us, not our sins, not our past, not our future, not screw tape, uh, not the mistakes that we have made or will make. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I think that may be a good way to wrap this all up. At least it's a good thought for me at the end of the day. That is. I love that. So listeners, thank you again for joining us. And if you love this, please send us a rating, send us a, write us a review. We absolutely cherish those. We read them. They nourish us. They build us up. We don't just say that. It's It really is a wonderful thing, a way to interact with some of the people that we don't get to interact with normally. And yep. uh, if you'd share this with your friends, we, we're trying to spread the word as much as possible. Share it on social media. We've got an Instagram, a Twitter. Uh, they're all Pints with Jack. Check those out. And if you've called to support us on Patreon, it's been a blessing. We've had so many new ones come. Uh, the Slack community keeps growing. It's just been fantastic. Oh, so, can I thank our top tier supporters, Gary yes. and Jake, Stephen, Matt, Jeff, Chris, John, James, Kate, Rowdy. We love you guys. And I want to shout out Brittany, uh, Brittany White, who uh, tossed up another meme just this week. Um, uh, I said something on a social media on a, on, a, on a Lewis group, and she made a meme out of it right away. And so we love how she keeps us smiling and invested in you. So, well, so we look forward to having you join us um, any way you can. We've loved your support, and uh, we look forward to next time when we'll be going further up and further in. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>